Turn with me to Psalm 64, continuing in our study of the book of Psalms. Let me say before we begin, I was greatly convicted in the study of this psalm. Psalm 64. Like so many of the psalms, we again find David in this psalm, Psalm 64, praying for deliverance and somewhat complaining of his enemies. Do you ever complain? (laughs) Yeah, I know we all do, but really we shouldn't. You see, if God, it's God who sends troubles, it's God who sends enemies, and it's God that sends trials. Verse 1, a psalm of David, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Now we as flesh and blood fear many things. But with God our Father and with Christ our Deliverer, we shouldn't with both on our side. Many of the commentators say this particular psalm was written when David fled from his son Absalom. What a trial that must have been. It's one thing to have an enemy, but when they're of your own household, what a trial that must be. Some of you have experienced that personally. In verse verse 2, David says, Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection, the plotting and the scheming, that's what the word means, of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. That they may shoot in secret at the perfect Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in the evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search looking for fault. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. David here is experiencing some slander, some persecution, people seeking and speaking evil against him and of him. And I, I suppose we've all experienced that. And at the same time, we're all guilty of it. Hold your place here and turn with me to Ecclesiastes 7, chapter 7. I want you to look at verse 20. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, the Solomon, the wise man here, speaks on this subject. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Solomon says, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not, Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. If you hear your servant speaking evil of you, if you hear a friend speaking evil of you, even someone of your own family, take no heed unto the words. That's how we deal with it. We ignore it. We should. How do we do that? Verse 22, For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. (laughs) We've all done it. 
But when we're slandered, and we will be, if, if we haven't been, we will be, but most of us have been, may God enable us not to get angry, to retaliate. For this reason, we've all done the same thing ourselves. This is the same principle for forgiving others. There's nothing that anyone has done to us that we have not ourselves done to others. And more specifically, there's not anything that we, that's been done to us that we haven't done to our Lord. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4 verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's our motivation for forgiving. We've been forgiven of so much. We want forgiveness when we transgress against others. Shouldn't we forgive those who slander and sin against us? God has forgiven us for Christ's sake. That's our motivation. (laughs) For Christ's sake, we should forgive others. God forgives us of the same things that we've done to Him and others. For the sake and glory of Christ, we should do the same with others. God help me to be forgiving, to have a forgiving spirit. God help me to hold this tongue when I want to retaliate against those who slander me or who I feel have done wrong against me. And I'll be the first to confess that I haven't arrived at this, brothers and sisters. I I haven't. It's our nature to get upset and when we're slandered and mistreated. But that's no excuse. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But by God's grace, the child of God is growing in grace and in the knowledge of Him who has forgiven them of all their sins. Help me to remember that, Lord. All that You've forgiven me of, help me to forgive. Help me to be patient with others. He's so patient with us. It's never right for us to slander others. Remember when Shimei cursed David, his servant wanted to take his head off. He said, let me just take his head off. And you remember what David said? He said, let him curse. Because, this is why, the Lord has said unto him, curse David. (laughs) Everything that he said, the Lord told him to say, David is saying. The Lord is in control of everything, even the cursing of our enemies. May God enable us to forgive and forget. We say we forgive, but we don't forget, so we really don't forgive, do we? And whatever happens to us or whatever said about us, the Lord is the first cause. He's always the first cause. Everything else is secondary. And David here has experienced the pain of that is he's fleeing Absalom, a son that he loves. And again, verse 1, back in Psalm 64, David says, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. He doesn't suggest what the Lord should do. He doesn't ask the Lord to exercise vengeance. He simply says, Hear my prayer, hear my request. Give ear to my voice. Anytime that we're in distress, this is the first thing that we should do. A simple prayer will suffice. 
It's not how eloquent that we pray, but to whom we pray. The simplest prayers of a righteous righteous man, a fervent, passionate prayer from the heart is always sufficient. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. These prayers always get the attention of our loving Father who is out to do us good. God's out to do His people good. Anytime anyone does something to represent us or to, uh, to, to cause us harm, we should do nothing but pray. Don't retaliate. We don't seek vengeance. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. The Lord take care of it. Slander against us, that's the Lord's business. It really is. All sin against us, that's the Lord's business to deal with. Look back at Exodus chapter 14. Again, hold your place here. I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. The Lord has sent the plagues upon Egypt. Time and time again, Pharaoh hardened his heart against the Lord and his people. And then one day he said, go, just get out of here. And then he had a change of heart again. The Lord hardened his heart one more time and the people of Israel are up against the Red Sea. And Moses said unto the people, verse 13, Fear ye not, stand still. Lord, help me to learn stand still. (laughs) Stand still and see what? The salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you'll see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. The Lord does our fighting. Just, Lord, help us to just shut up. Don't try to vindicate yourself. Don't retaliate. Vengeance is the Lord's. He'll take care of it his own way. He, we'd, we'll just, you know what we do? We'll just make a mess out of it. He does all things well. Always, all the time, every time. <laughs> Why shouldn't we trust in Him? Again, David says in verse 1, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve me and keep me from the fear of the enemy. You see, our enemy is not the one that slanders us or sins against us. Our enemy is Satan, and he's the father of all lies. And the Lord said, what you hear your father do, that's what you do. You're just like him. May we recognize who our true enemy is. And in verse 2, David says, Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection, as I said a moment ago, from the plotting and scheming of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. All of us, I'm sure, remember the same when we were... Children, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. But they do. They do. Words hurt. 
We're not left without hope while we live on this earth as we attempt to put out the fires of our, that our little tongues start. We have a Savior whose own life redeemed the brokenness of this world, the brokenness of our hearts. On the cross, He bore every blow. He received every accusation. He endured every grief and He carried all our shame and our sorrows on His shoulders. He absorbed the wrath of God in our place so we could live in the light of His glorious grace. So why don't we? God help us to. In Proverbs 4.20, the Lord says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear into my sayings. Let them, not the words of others, not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they, God's words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Proverbs 12.18, there is that... Speak as like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You ever stop and think about that? Those who delight to be talkative, slanderous, they love to use their tongue to defame the character of others. They're going to be recompensed. They shall have the fruit of their doings. And I might add, that goes for those whose tongues use their tongues in a bad way and a good way. Whether our tongues are used in good or a bad way, we're the ones who reap the fruit thereof. We ought to be sowing unto the good, shouldn't we? Good fruit. Looking forward to good fruit. Proverbs 15, verse 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath. I wish I could remember that. But grievous words stir up anger. It only adds fuel to the fire. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. David felt the sting of this slander. So do we. But may we learn by God's grace that how we react to others determines the fruit that we receive, whether it is good or bad. When those who take sides against us wet their tongue like a sword and shoot their arrows with the bows of bitter words, look what verse 5 says, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They don't give any thought that when you speak against one of God's people, you're speaking against him. And David here tells us, what we have such difficulty in believing about ourselves. They shoot them, their their arrows, their bitter words, at the perfect. <laughs> this is speaking of every believer called the perfect. If you and I are in Christ by our union with Him, we are perfect. <laughs> perfect. In Christ. And it doesn't sound right to one who knows who and what they are. But nonetheless true. Perfect. Hebrews 14 verse 10 tells us, For by one offering He, God, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof 
the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The scripture says Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God. I want to walk with God. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 18, 13. How? Only in Christ. God is my strength and power and he maketh my way perfect. 2 Samuel 22. How does he make my way perfect? In Christ. The scripture says, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. And you know what? You're in my ways. If we're in Christ, we'll be perfect all the days of our life because we're in him. David said, give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart. I was thinking about this morning. I, I pray this for my children. Give them a perfect heart, Lord. Save them. Make them perfect in Christ. Again and again in the scriptures, over and over, they talk about a perfect heart. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. How can they be perfect? Same answer. Only in Christ. Only in Him. God said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Our Lord said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. How are we going to do that? Only in Christ. Christ said, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Oh, to be like Christ. God help me to be like him. I and them and thou and me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast lovest me. Isn't that an amazing thought? God loves me just as he loves Christ. What a union we have with him. The Apostle Paul wrote, Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. We can only be perfect in Christ. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it even, even this unto you. May God continue to remind us that in Christ, we're perfect. In Christ, you and I lack nothing. We stand before God unblameable and unreprovable in His sight, in God's sight. And that's all that matters. It doesn't much matter what others think of it. I want others to think well of me. But if they think wrong of me for no reason, that's, that's God's business, not mine. And the truth of the matter is, is that I'm pretty much guilty of anything that could ever be said about me. David is speaking of those who are perfect, without sin, without iniquity. 
And when others seek to defame our standing in Christ, look at what verse 5 says. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They encourage themselves. They justify themselves. Well, I've got every right to say what I say about them. They think that they're right doing what they should, but they're not. They're only vindicating themselves. That's what we do when we slander others. They find encouragement in their evil matters. They say, who shall see them? God does. God always sees them. Everything that we do, God sees Verse 6, they search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. This reminds me of politicians. We are in that time where you see a lot of political ads on the television and hear them on the radio and that's all we have. They're seeking to destroy their opponents. They seek out skeletons in their closet. <laughs> we all got them. Every one of us. But the believer does as Peter says. Love shall cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Don't hold a grudge. God help me not to hold a grudge. I'm, that's something I'm good at. I'm good at it. Not proud of it, ashamed of it, actually. He that hideth hatred with lying lips and he that uttereth a slander is a fool, Solomon said. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put in an obscure darkness. What a wickedness it is to try to destroy someone with our words. It ought not be among the people of God whom the Lord has made perfect. Men who search out iniquities, those who accomplish a diligence, sir, they, they look hard to find something wrong. Their inward thoughts of the heart, it says, is deep. They expose the depths of their wickedness and depravity. The wickedness goes deep in the heart, doesn't it? And that's what Jeremiah says. Deceitful above all things the heart is. It's desperately wicked. There's nothing more deceitful. There's nothing more wicked than our own hearts apart from Christ. But here's the good news. Verse 7, but. <laughs> There's that blessed word again. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. You know, 46 times in the Scriptures that phrase is used. But God, you ought to look them up sometime and read them. It'd be an encouragement to you. Joseph's brothers, remember Joseph? His brothers hated him without a cause. They hated him because his father loved him. They moved with envy. They sold Joseph into slavery. But the Scripture says, but God was with him. God was with him in Potiphar's house. God was with him in the prison. God was with him. 
But God commended His love toward us in, the, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God. Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's God who blessed us. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God. God's everything, and he giveth the increase. Verse 7, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. I think about that passage, be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, he shall also reap. David understood something of the character of God. I wonder sometimes if I do. We don't need to worry about anything. God's going to take care of everything for us. Everything. Maybe not in our time frame. Maybe not as we think He should. But who are we? Doesn't matter what we think. God is going to take care of it. Verse 8, So shall they make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. God's going to turn it around on them. You know, I, I, I think about Haman. He sought to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he built, and those same gallows were used to hang him. God turned things around on our enemies. And we say it this way. My mother said it all the time. I don't think I ever took it to heart. But she said, what goes around comes around. In a very real sense, that's true. Men and women reap what they sow. I don't want to reap what I sow. I don't. No one sin will ever go unpunished. You're not the judge of the earth do right. Yes, every single time. And we say it often, but it's nonetheless true. God always does what's right. He doesn't do it because it's right. It's right because He does it. Men make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. Verse 9, And all men shall fear. All men that fear... See, how do I want to say that? All men that fear are all men that fear shall fear. <laughs> it's those that fear God. That, that, not all men fear God, but all men fear. Men fear the unknown. Men fear loss. Men fear the, puni the punishment. But that's not what the fear of God is. The fear of God is that all and that reverence for and that respect for God that makes us fear to look to anyone but Christ. That's what I fear. I fear that I will trust in something that I do instead of what God has done for me. We are in awe and reverence and respect of God to look anywhere but Christ for our salvation. That and nothing less is the fear of God. We fear to look to ourselves for anything. This is what all men that fear God do. Look at verse 9. They shall declare the work of God. That's what we're doing when we meet together, when we preach, when we listen to the Gospel. We, we're declaring the work of God. 
It's God's work, not by works of righteousness that I've done, Paul said. That's not the work that we declare. This is what we declare, the work of righteousness that God has done for us in Christ. According to His mercy, He saved us, it says. (laughs) By the washing of regeneration, the new birth, the new creation, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, Titus 3.5. God created the universe as an act of His will. This is His earth. We eat His food. We breathe His air. He causes His Son, S-U-N, to shine on us. And He causes His Son, S-O-N, to shine on us. The rain falls from the heavens on His on the just and the unjust, but I can assure you this, it's for His elect people. The rain of His righteousness falls on His people. We sing, this is my Father's world. It is. He forms the light. He creates darkness. He makes peace. He creates evil. He said, I, the Lord, do all these things. All of them. This is why all things work together for the good of them that love God, who are thee called according to His purpose. Romans 8.28 The Scripture says the lot is cast in the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Whatever Whatever we're talking about is His work. Most especially salvation. It's His work. It's not of works that we should boast. Salvation's of the Lord. Salvation is in the Lord Jesus. Salvation is Christ. They're synonymous. Salvation, Christ. Christ, salvation. That's our hope. That's our peace. That's our rest. Again, verse 9, And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of His doing. Everything is God's work and everything's His doing. And it's for the glory of His great name and the glory of His Son. The believer wouldn't have it any other way. I, I wouldn't have it any way, other way. I love that everything that happens is God's doing. I find rest there. Because I know in the end, whatever it is, it's for my good and for His glory. And what does this bring for the child of God? Verse 10. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him. And all the upright in heart, those that are perfect, shall glory. What do we glory in? Not anything we do. Not unto us. Not unto us, O Lord. But we glory in Christ, our Savior, the One who loved us and gave Himself for us. You see, my righteousness, filthy rags, but my righteousness in Christ is His righteousness. It's perfect. And I'm perfect because of it. Christ was made to be sin that His chosen people might be made what? The righteousness of God. Where? In Him. Always in Him. His righteousness is my personal righteousness. I didn't work for it. It was a gift. It was given to me. David begins this psalm with complaining. And he ends it with gladness. <laughs> oh, that I might do that. When I complain, I look to Christ who's made me perfect, knowing that all things come from His hand. 
for my good, for his glory, and make me glad. Notice how David says this. He says, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord. No gladness anywhere else. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But of him who of God, in him, by him, through him, it's all his doing, his works. That's what we declare. We're declaring his works. My attempt in the next hour will be to declare His works, what He's done for sinners, why He came, what He did. We shall be glad, David says. We shall trust in Him. God's going to see to it. And all the upright in heart shall glory. Glory in God, glory in Christ, glory in their righteousness, glory in their election, glory in their salvation. We're accepted in the beloved, in Christ, nowhere else. This is the description of every believer. We shouldn't complain, but be glad. We shouldn't grumble, but trust in Him. We shouldn't speak evil of others. We should glory in Christ. May God be pleased to make it so for His glory, our good, and for Christ's sake. And let me just say, I don't say that at the end of a message as something to say to close the message. It's true. May God make these things so for His glory, for our good, and for Christ's sake. Hope. Thank you.